Hi, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Thank you. Uh, I'm uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Polgar. I'm uh, the lead game designer and uh, head chairperson of Bridgeside Interactive. We have made uh, a clapping game called Clapper, actually. Yeah, and I think we, we actually did an interview earlier about your game and and just uh, like, you know, where it was going potentially at being an eSport, right? And and I think since that time, it seems like it's it's been getting more um, exposure and, and, and coverage. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, we spoke, uh, it was back in April, I think. And uh, back then, we, we haven't launched the game yet. We launched the game in uh, in June, actually. Okay. And, and uh, it was, uh, we, co we considered it uh, like a soft launch to try out uh, the monetization model for the game. Yeah. And uh, so we had, uh, we had a lot of uh, analytics tools and things implemented in the game. And we have been uh, collecting data for since then. I think at that time you were going with the paid model still, right? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, Clapper is a children's game, so we uh, we didn't want any advertisements inside or uh, uh, in-app purchases or things like that. So we wanted to to try the premium model. And and how did that? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's a viable model, or will it it's, have to uh, be free to play? It's uh, it's real. It was really interesting to do the test uh, because everyone was. Uh, telling us not to do it don't yeah, do it <laughs> yeah w were you one of those perhaps i no. probably was <laughs> you know because, yeah, yeah but you know what there there are there's there are benefits to doing the paid thing too yeah no yeah. but you were you were probably right but we uh, we thought that uh, at least try it so we uh, we tried it and we have tried some different uh, price points we tried two ninety nine, one ninety nine, uh, and ninety nine cents, and we also tried uh, uh, re releasing the game for free just to see uh, the difference in uh, in uh, download rate, conversion rate. Okay. And uh, uh, in all honesty, we we didn't really get it to work satisfactory as a as a paid game. Yeah. I, we we got. Uh, I think we we got uh, we got the same amount of downloads in two days uh, when the app was free that we got uh, in two months for yeah. for the paid version of the app and uh, different price points didn't seem to matter if it was uh, three nine two ninety nine or ninety nine cents it it had absolutely no uh, impact on the download rate. Okay, interesting. Um, so I take it you're going to try to go with free with in-app purchases or. Yeah, we're we're going to try a free version of the game that has a paywall, so that you you can download and try the game's first level for free, and then if you like the game, you can purchase the rest of the levels inside of the app. And hopefully, we we hope that that will at least double our conversion rate. I think also something to consider is that. Um you know, in terms of paid games, because, you know, people are, look, games are growing as an industry and people do buy paid games. It's just that from what I've seen, and, you know, I'm just only looking at kind of the casual audience. Yeah. If they see a YouTuber who's paid for the game, they will pay, they're willing to pay for it. And I just saw this recently where I talked to some kid and he bought a $25 game, 
Now, yeah. granted, it was yeah. through Steam and it was on his PC, so maybe he's just used to paying a lot for PC games. But I was like, so it was like a universe sandbox or something else like that. And that's a game. And I was like, well, how did he hear about it? And I think he saw it on one of these famous YouTubers yeah. who were playing it. And so then they're like, okay, well, that's, then it, it, it's like social proof. It's, so I think maybe the paid model would have worked for you provided you got a YouTuber or someone else to actually play it. Yeah, and, sure. And if, it off, you know? if we had, uh, if we had greater exposure, uh, uh, it, it would uh, of course be, be really nice, but, uh, we've actually had pretty, pretty good exposure, uh, Apple yeah. has Apple has been nice enough to uh, to feature us almost uh, since uh, day one. So oh, we wow. have so we we have always had uh, a lot of page views, but uh, the the page views only converted one point five percent, I think, of the okay. of the viewers to download uh, the game, and that was uh, a, a little too. Uh, uh, little for us. We we, yeah. we we need to double that at least. And we that... think that yeah. Sorry. No no no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we we think that by by moving the conversion into the app, we think that we could probably double the conversion. Are they still featuring you? Because I don't I don't know how the feature works. I thought it was like for a week and then. Yeah, yeah. The feature system is actually pretty broad. Everything that happens in the app store is basically considered a feature. So if you're uh, if you're on a top list, then you're featured. And uh, and if you have like a huge banner, like uh, you've been editor's choice and things like that, that's uh, featured as well. And then of course uh, there's di there's different features in different countries. So just because you're featured in Sweden or Scandinavia doesn't mean that you're oh, featured yeah. in the in the U.S. and uh, and so on and so on. And you've also gone to E3, right, with the game. Which... Yeah, yeah, we uh, we sent the game to uh, we applied uh, for uh, E3 at Indicade, and uh, and uh, got accepted actually. So we uh, we got to travel to to uh, to LA and E3, which was which was like a a childhood uh, childhood <laughs> dream come through to us. <laughs> <laughs> and how was it? Do you feel that you you learned a lot at that at that experience, or was it more of just a big party, or what? Like. I, yeah, I wouldn't say a party. We uh, we definitely learned a lot. Uh, showcasing at conferences is actually, I think it depends on what kind of a person you are. But uh, for us, uh, it, it's really hard work to uh, to stand up all day and to be social all day and to, to yeah. speak to speak another language for for a whole day and things like that can be really really taxing so doing that for and then being jet lagged and things like that it's uh, it's really really hard work hard but awesome work <laughs> yeah and and do you feel that helped with the promotion or what what are your thoughts like in terms of advancing the game's destiny what how do you felt it it helped or hurt yeah, that that's a really interesting question. Question. Uh, we we were there because we wanted to generate exposure for the game, and uh, we did that because uh, we got featured on uh, Mashable and uh, okay. Polygon and and things like that. But uh, uh, we did not see a huge upswing in downloads because of that. So yeah. uh, our our the main thing that drives our downloads is still the the marketing that we get from from Apple. Yeah, I think you know I'm playing Armchair 
advisor, which is not good, but I feel like with your game, even mentioning that it's just for kids might be turning off people. Because, like, look, think about Mashable. Mashable yeah. is not read by kids. Now, there are parents who will read it. Yeah. But, but maybe it has to literally become something so silly and ridiculous that it's, op it's, ex it's open to all, but kids will pick it up. It's like Minecraft. It, they don't say it's for kids, but a lot of kids play it, and not necessarily adults play it as much now. Yeah. No, that that's uh, uh, that's a really good point, and we have uh, we have been discussing that a lot actually yeah. here at the office. If we if we should try to be a part of the children section of the app store or the games, uh, just the regular game section, and it's uh, uh, it's hard to tell. We we uh, because we are new at this, so we don't yeah. really have the, we don't really have the experience, and just. Uh, Discussing things doesn't really lead us anyway. We have to to try it out and to actually see uh, results, and that's yeah. uh, that's how we're approaching it. Yeah, because it seems like <clears throat> the game is interesting, and it can and it has to tap into like it it has to work like at least for indie developers. That look, there's probably a ton of ways where indie developers can succeed. One way I've seen it is that. An indie developer gets in on a new trend or starts a new trend, and and then and then because you're you're kind of the 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 pioneer in that, you get the exposure, you get the the outcome that you want. I yeah. think when so so for example, um, you know you've you focused on kids games, and and you're right, there is that, and there's definitely a market. For kids games and I see these kids games like Toka Farm and Toka whatever yeah and they're doing well and they're not necessarily free to play and they're not so so there's definitely one option is that but then we talked about it being an esport thing and in fact you went to the Indiecade in October 2016 also with like the actual pure Indiecade event as an esport yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. The, the, the Indicade uh, festival in uh, in Los Angeles was in October, and we uh, we got invited back uh, uh, to to uh, to be part of their. Uh, it, it's the first time that they have esports events at uh, the Indicade festival. It was us and I think uh, five other games that were there that were that they felt were suitable to play as uh, esport games. Yeah, and and kind of like Rocket League. Right, where it's not, you know, and, and what I'm trying to, and I think I, I mentioned this in, in the last interview, it's like, look, what are the variations you can do on this game that make it a potential esport or a silly esport that works for everyone? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, we have, what we have uh, uh, published, uh, what we published in June was very much like a minimum viable product in the sense yeah. that we w wanted to get it out and to, uh, to, to collect real data. Uh, and, uh, a lot of those things that could uh, really make it uh, a great esport games, we, we haven't uh, added those like, uh, leaderboards and, uh, and things like that. Yeah. And, and well, what was the response? In the esports area at Indiecade for your game, what what were your thoughts? Because you saw other indie esport games, what, did you even think that, or do you think that this could become an esport? Or uh, yeah, I think so, but not not uh, 
Definitely not in the sense uh, as when you speak about an esport like uh, uh, like StarCraft or something like that. It, it yeah. doesn't ha- it doesn't have the uh, the depth to uh, to 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 uh, appeal that broadly. Yeah. But uh, but Clapper is definitely skill based, and it's uh, when you play it on the harder difficulties, it's. Uh, it's uh, it's it's very hard even for uh, for adults. So it definitely has has the potential, and uh, I think that uh, showcasing it at the Indicate Festival act- actually uh, proved how 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 good of an esport it could make. Yeah. What what was the audio or audience response for that? It was yeah. It they, they took to it really really well. I don't think that any of the games that were there, if I would have. Uh, Looked at them uh, outside of the esports uh, section. I don't think that I would have thought that. Yeah, these are esport games because they they just didn't really have that feel to me. They they were uh, competitive games, but uh, uh, but maybe not in the sense as when you think about uh, traditional esport. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know yeah. esport music music games like esport. I don't know how uh, if that. Yeah, I think I think that there are hardcore communities that uh, play their own modded versions of Guitar Hero and things like that, and uh, yeah. also in the Japanese arcades and things like that. But it's that's a different scene in a sense. Did you see any other ga- indie games in the esports area that? That all, that you were fascinated by, or do you feel that your game was the one that that really worked well with the esports team? Uh, I think that they were they were all I think they were all great games. Clapper is uh, Clapper. It's uh, it's uh, very very silly and uh, <laughs> uh, it has a, it has a certain appeal to it. So I, I think it did really well because of that. But all all the games did really good, and uh, my favorite favorite was uh, probably uh, I think it's called Inverses. It's okay. I I saw them at E3, and it's like uh, like a mix between uh, uh, Otello and Ikaruga in a sense. <laughs> okay. So so you're you're two people that play against each other, and you can switch in between black and white. And if you're black, you can only move on black tiles, and if you're white, you can only move on white tiles. And when you when you shoot, you uh, you flip the tiles like in Otello, okay. and then you and then you can corner each other and try to uh, to shoot each other. It's a uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's yeah. really really nice game. And in terms of the audience, what what esport games were they were they really like you know moving around like what 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 esports booth or what esports in the Indicade, were, were they actually fascinated by? I mean, do you, like, was, was your game one of those where it's like, hey, this, this could be it? Or were they more into those kind of more like Othello-type games? Uh, no, it was... Um, uh, it was... Um, we had time slots, actually, so we didn't have uh, traditional boots in that oh, okay. sense. Okay. So we had, we had different time slots, and uh, it was... Uh, uh, I, I I felt that there were great energy uh, during all play sessions, okay. but but 
yeah, perhaps, uh, yeah, perhaps uh, Inversus was one of those uh, more action action-packed games that uh, made re- made really good for for as an esport. Yeah, and and I know you talk about it not necessarily being an esport like StarCraft, but I think what we're seeing now with these indie esports is that there are going to be other. Well, even StarCraft itself, it's you know, if you were to say that's like a sport to someone who is just only used to seeing, you know, football, baseball, basketball, and some of these other, or soccer or something else like that, they would be hesitant about that. But what what I'm thinking is that maybe there's going to be even other esports that are going to be indie that aren't necessarily even competitive, or, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, I mean, do you feel that esports is, is a direction you may potentially take your game or is it just going to be something that was it was an interesting thought but it's not going to be something you pursue no i I think that at least we would like to uh at at least we would like to to uh investigate how uh, how the players would react to uh to more uh competitive elements in the game Uh, as i said maybe like uh, leaderboards or other social features where where they could challenge their friends and set up their own little clapper teams i think well let's so let's move on to the discussion of maybe design changes and ideas related to turning it into more of an esports type experience yeah um and the reason for that is because you know for indie developers yes you've made the game and i think part of it is that even if you have a genius game if you don't find a way where it kind of gets resonates with where it stands out um, it becomes very difficult, I feel, to actually get it to to work. And so, so with the esports theme, I think for game designers or indie developers who want to do esports, I think, for example, your game it has levels, right? Yeah. Do you think that levels would get in the way of an esport? Because, or maybe, or do you feel that a, a popular esport would have levels? Now, when you think about traditional sports, there's not necessarily levels. And even, Star- well, StarCraft, I mean, it's more expressive. I don't think there are levels there either. And same with Rocket League. So it's more of an arena. And so would you have to get rid of levels if you wanted to turn it into an esports? Okay, yeah, I, I think I see how you how you look at it. I, I would definitely consider uh, the different arenas in uh or the, the, I, I would definitely say that there are different. They call it maps, I suppose, in yeah, StarCraft. Okay, but, yeah, that's a good point. But uh, but but I think that uh, something that that I feel has always been a, 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 a huge part of esports is uh, the modding community and uh, the possibility for for people to change things within the game and. Uh, uh, things like Dota and things that uh, that came from another game, but someone <laughs> made like a clever change to it, and that that made it really stick with with an audience. And we have, uh, when when it comes to Clapper and levels in Clapper, we have uh, it's it's kind of heavy for our team. It's like the heaviest thing to do is to make a new song and to create the level and things like that. Yeah. So so maybe by putting a level editor uh, in there and to to really make it possible for for people to do super super crazy levels and to create their own content would uh, would give uh, give the game more spread and that's probably true with with most games even if they're not uh, uh, potentially esport games. Okay. 
And I think another design element that may need to be considered is, you know, we look at Rocket League and it's, it's kind of a silliness of blending cars with soccer. I mean, that's something that you couldn't do in the real life. Right. And it's, it's like, it's taking this fantasy, ridiculous fantasy element and combining it with, uh, with the sport like gameplay that, that obviously they executed on other things that, um, you know, I, I'm not voicing right now, but, but that's an interesting point is that instead of necessarily making it like two soccer teams or something, they, they used cars. Yeah. And so maybe that's part of the mix of the design of some, Esport that could potentially, first of all, be covered by YouTubers because it's so ridiculous and funny. But yeah. it also has that gameplay that that allows it to be competitive or, or sports like. Yeah. And so, with that said, what could you do to actually make it so that this could have some kind of funny or, or kind of interesting element? Yeah, as you, as you said, I think that that's... Um, or interesting theme, I guess. You know, it has to be a theme that could be potentially interesting, or, or maybe maybe not. I, I'm The goal now of this part of the, the discussion is mainly to identify game design elements related to indie esports. Yeah. And so so maybe what we're discussing, may or what even what I'm suggesting may not work. So I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, no. <laughs> I... Uh... Yeah, to me, uh, when I think of competitive indie games, it's more, uh, I al always start thinking more about, like, uh, it's more like party games in the sense, like brawlers and, uh, uh, like, Towerfall and, and games like that. That's what you play competitively, uh, at least at home. But I, yeah. but I, I don't really see how, how those games could, uh, could catch on as uh, as huge esports in the same sense as the other games. One thing I think we have to also consider in the in the design of indie esports is that it needs to be multiplayer potentially over the internet. Yeah, I mean because you look at StarCraft, you look at Rocket League, and they are multiplayer, but they're also they allow multiplayer over the internet so that potentially you can build that community in a situation where you're not dependent on people around you having to have the game. Yeah. Or, you know, having well, I guess they can play it on the same device, but but you know, like like if they're not interested, you're not bored because you can maybe potentially find someone online. Yeah. So I don't know, any any other design aspects that you feel that are important or, or to consider for indie esports yeah for for any for any esport i think that the, the depth really have has to be there inside the game otherwise it's uh yeah and i and i I'm th uh, you have to uh, you have to excuse me uh, i'm a bit oblivious when it comes to uh to, to rocket league is that uh, oh, yeah. I, I definitely see how that is played competitively, but uh, is it also played like a like a like a large esport, or is that so, is it, or is it something that will be played long term, or is it just like uh, the fla flavor of the day? It may be flavor of the flavor of the day. I just I felt it was an esport. I may be mistaken. It it seems like it was more like you know it's a multiplayer sports type game, except. The variation is cars, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton of other things. I don't play it, but I am definitely fascinated by it. Um, 
I discussed yeah. it with another <clears throat> another uh, person that I interviewed on the show, and it was interesting because they made a pre a game previous to that that was kind of like Rocket League, but it didn't have all the facets in place to actually make it take off and make it succeed. No, okay. and so sometimes it's good to study like, okay, well, what were some of the changes, and potentially look. I mean, I don't know if you if you've heard, but like even here in the states, like. Normal traditional sports viewership in some of these sports, it's declining. Okay. And it seems like, like people are open. Like before it would seem crazy to have like people are going to be playing esports more than football or, or soccer, but, <laughs> but this is what may potentially happen. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's going to be the indie developers that have a chance to, to pull this off because even when you think about esports in terms of the bigger companies, they are, they're looking at it from the point of view of potential. Well, okay, there, there's two parts. There, there, there are people who are looking at it as like, okay, how are we going to take the football paradigm or soccer paradigm and turn it into that? And then there's the other part where it's like, I think even those, um, like Blizzard, they made a card game, which escapes my mind right now. I know it's... Yeah, Hearthstone. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I guess that's kind of like a, like, it's like a competitive thing. Yeah. Right. And and so like they're doing it right, they're doing it well. And there might be an opening for these other types of either casually sports or something more silly that that blends into people's daily lives in a way that's um fun but could be competitive too. Yeah. You know, and, and so so I, I don't know. I mean, so that's what I'm looking at. It's like, look, what would it take to actually design an indie esport that becomes this very popular or ubiquitous thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, are there any other design elements in our discussion that we've missed that you think that would be relevant to that? I mean, I think with, with Rocket League, and I mean, they're, they're using physics. And so in that way, there's that emergent, there is that skill that you can, you can master the physics like there's emergent properties in physics that that allow you to master, but with StarCraft, I don't. They're not using physics. If so, they've got another rule set that actually allows for emergence. Yeah. No. I, and so just, the real question is: is even for your game, what is that rule set, or what is going to allow for that emergence, so that, like you said, there can be that skill element? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, as I said, I think that there has to be a. a uh, quite a kind of large depth to the game, but also yeah. that uh, that depth has to be uh, conveyed to uh, to the potential players, but also to uh, to an audience. I don't remember who it was that wrote about it, but it was I think it was an essay about sports, I think, and uh, how uh, how a person that don't understand uh, the sport can't appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and that that of course is <laughs> it's it's quite obvious but uh, you almost have to be an expert viewer in order to uh, to enjoy starcraft okay yeah no that's a good point so so that has to be part of the design is that first of all like you said there can be skill and 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 the skill display has to be entertaining enough that people want to watch it yeah and uh, yeah and approachable because it's the same like uh, I I can actually I can actually enjoy uh, 
ex exercising certain sports on my own, but I don't really enjoy watching them on, on television. Yeah, what, what sports would that be for you? Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, 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 I really, really uh, lo love uh, tennis. But but for for but for some reason I I can't really uh, yeah so you uh, have... sit down and watch it hour hours and hours yeah no tennis is yeah so so the sport has to also develop some potentially some skill within you so you should be able to play it <clears throat> or train for it single player so I think that's another design element we have to consider is that the training has to be fun. And it, and it has to allow for single player. Well, I don't know if it has to be fun, but I think it helps because, you know, I've played tennis and I see that it, it helps me just like it, it, it triggers a part of my mind and I notice that I'm more creative or something else when I play tennis. And, but so there's that intrinsic benefit. It isn't like, oh, I saw someone else play it, so I'm going to do it even though I don't like it. Like I enjoy playing tennis too. Yeah. Um, so I think that has to be another design element we have to consider is that the actual training or single player element potentially has to be fun. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about how, the, how, yeah, how they do it with the, those uh, uh, like MOBA games and things like that. That seems like, uh, like uh, multiplayer games oh, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the core. And then, yeah, so that's the other good point is that it doesn't have to be one versus one. It can be five versus five or two versus two or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, are there any other elements that you feel that we're, that we've missed related to designing a good indie esport game? <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I don't think I'm, uh, I'm helping the discussion very much here, actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think you're you're coming up with great stuff here. I'm taking well, I'm, ta I'm taking notes here. <laughs> well, what? Yeah. So, well, related to your game, what what would it take? I mean, first of all, the real question is is how could it become this viral esport related to people potentially playing it? You know, and and one thing I was thinking is like, look, what if rock paper scissors was turned into an esport? Yeah, that's uh, that's StarCraft actually. Uh, yeah, okay. Because I was they, thinking if it was to use the hand movements as kind of like oh, literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and then maybe what you would have to do is literally it had to be like rock paper, some other special command. Yeah. That is more than or you know some other special thing that's like you're taking that core idea of rock paper scissors, but then you're you're adding power-ups or elements based on maybe other gestures or techniques you could do. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or maybe it's times, it isn't like this, like, um, it's like a volley. Like, so you blend tennis with rock, paper, scissors, and it's like you can volley back in certain ways, or I don't know. But but that's what we have to think about, is that, but I guess what you're right, what you said is right, too. That's that the pop, most popular rock, paper, scissors is StarCraft. Yeah, and of course it's a, it's a bit more complicated uh, yeah. than that, but uh, that's uh, that's actually how they they what they taught us at the university uh, when we were analyzing StarCraft. But that would be interesting, where if you did rock paper scissors, and as you did it, you would place items in a field or in a in a map. 
that could yeah. then be used. Like, so that's where it could have that, that volley aspect that we were talking about. Yeah. Where, because like, that's what we have to think about. It's like, look, rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Well, that's interesting, but how would you turn that into an esports? So let's just say you're an indie. You're like, okay, well, that's the foundation. So look, we do rock, paper, scissors. Let's say that as we do rock, paper, scissors, every time I win, I get to place a new item or a certain item in the map. So we blend rock, paper, scissors with something like um, uh, desktop tower defense. Yeah. And then, so as you win, you can place items on the map, and then maybe, like, after a certain amount of rounds, then you, you've got all your items placed, and then they battle each other. Or it's something where, as you place it, it, it's, it, it gets added to the battle right there and then. Yeah. And those are, those are the kind of mixes that people need to consider as they're doing esports. Yeah, uh, another thing that I, you, you, you were asking for different mechanics or something that, uh, uh, I think that expression, like, uh, yeah, a way for the player to have uh, their own play style is actually really important. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so the game, the game has to be complex enough for the player to express their own certain, uh, uh, type of play style, I think. And, and that kind of go, going to Rocket League, you know, the, the ability to choose different types of cars, that was the game allowing expression. But because it has physics gameplay, yeah, people can express themselves or they can develop their own style. So it has to have that emergent property, some emergent system where people can kind of be expressive within that. Yeah. And I'll oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about like the, the first the first game that I played really competitively, and the first game that I I was interested enough uh, about so that I would watch other people play it was uh, Quake One, and it was uh, it was so fascinating that all the top players had uh, their own uh, uh, their own play style. So you didn't have to know who was playing; you could just watch them play, and you would see who that was. And, yeah. and that, and I okay. think that that's very, I think that that was, uh, I think that that might have been one of the key things that made them stick with the game, that they could feel that they could express themselves within the game. Yeah. That they really had the room to do that. And, okay, so, so how would you, how would you apply that to something like Clapper? Yeah. I think that uh, I think I actually think it will will be hard because if, if I look at music games and how they are played competitively, uh, they have to become really really hardcore to be able to be played competitively. Sure, you can play uh, like the hardest levels of uh, of Guitar Hero, but uh, I wouldn't say. Uh, that there are any way for you to express yourself within that you are very much like a like a player piano just playing what the television yeah. te tells you to do there's no room for expression yeah and because of that i think that uh, other elements will have to be added to the game and for instance as as i also said making your own levels would be a part of express expressing yourself uh, with it within the game but uh, I think yeah, rhythm, rhythm games are, are tricky in that sense. And also, looking at the band and music stuff, it may not be that you're competing in terms of playing the same notes, but it's more about battle of... I don't. Are you familiar with the concept of battle of the bands? 
where uh, no I recognize it you will have to to educate sure. me I think I think what happens in this in these battle of the bands is that there are events or concerts and there might be one band that plays their music another band that plays another music so they've got their own styles but at the end okay. it's the audience who determines who was the best yeah what music they enjoyed the most yeah and, that's uh, that that's pretty cool actually because uh, uh, players that play clapper when you when you see them play they have different styles uh, yeah. if you just watch the game footage you wouldn't notice it but if you watch them from the outside and you see how they sway or almost like uh, how they dance that's um, oh yeah they have their own styles but it doesn't necessarily uh, uh, it's not that deeply connected to the gameplay, so I don't think that it matters really. It's uh... well, does the style have to be deeply? Well, I think, and maybe maybe that is another design element that um, indie developers have to look into is whether the expression needs to be tangential. It needs to be another thing outside of the gameplay, but it's just more entertainment. So the expression it, ha it has to allow enough expression to entertain the audience itself. Or does the expression have to facilitate or even drive the gameplay? Yeah, because so. no, I mean that uh, you can uh, you can watch a StarCraft game. You can watch a StarCraft game on on YouTube, and yeah. you you don't have to see the players to be entertained. But when it comes to to music games and watching people play DDR or something on really high level, it's not very entertaining to just watch the gameplay footage. You have to see the you have to see the guy jump yeah. around in the arcade to be entertained. <laughs> yeah, and and I think I think that's what we have to also consider then in the design process. Yeah. Is yeah. Where is the where is the expression going to come from, and is the expression going to impact the gameplay, or is it going to impact the entertainment? You know, yeah. the, the watch, the viewership. Yeah. So that's yeah. A, yeah. I think it has to be there, but maybe maybe it doesn't have to be as uh, as visible as uh, in Quake One or in Starcraft or something like that. Yeah, I think the other thing we have to consider is the concept of persistence, and and whether that's like you know the, we were talking about rock paper scissors and then doing that over a course of maybe twenty iterations to build up whatever on the map, but yeah. persistence in terms of like we were talking about rankings. Um, I think in, kind of in the pre-interview a little, but yeah. um, rankings or ratings or or even just the the progression within the game itself as you as each part of the step or each step of the process of like the game, um, you're either building up points or maybe even something visual on the screen that is worth watching. Yeah, you know, and that's something that you look at physical sports or real sports. That's not something that they can easily do. No. They kind of do it when they have replays. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that's still outside of the gameplay itself. And maybe, maybe that is going to be the breakthrough for esports. Is that a lot of these things that were done outside of the gameplay, like in in real sports or outside of the game, like you know, you you see people in tennis who are. They've got a certain style, or they, you know, or they're dressed a certain way, or something else that adds to the entertainment. Yeah, but it's not like they can add that much expression within the gameplay. I mean, it's still kind of vague what I'm talking about, but but I think that might be the 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 thing that can be unique to esports is that a lot of these things that are happening outside of the actual gameplay 
and its yeah. or expression can can be inside, like can actually impact the actual um, effectiveness of the rules. I don't know. I mean, so so we have to, but definitely persistence, and as you were saying, the um, the skill, and and like you're saying, expressional style. Yeah. But even so, I can see with Clapper. What you're saying is that there are people, as they do the, the game, you can see their body movement. And that's their unique style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's the same thing within the development team. We have different uh, play styles uh, in that sense. It yeah. feels, di it feels different to play with, uh, uh, with the different developers here. It feels totally different. Okay. And it's also been when we have been, uh, yeah, someone is always a, a bit uh, early, someone is always a, a bit late, or maybe I'm a bit early or late, I suppose. Someone, someone likes to clap high, someone likes to clap low, someone likes to clap really hard, or <laughs> someone likes just to barely touch. Okay. But it, we, we actually, we were, uh, I think we were in Amsterdam, and I got to play with the... Uh, we won one of the, I think it was one of the volunteers, and she was... Uh, pretty awesome at the game actually it was the first time she played it and she played it like uh, as good as we played it just after a couple of times and we have a, a thing that we do because we play the game a lot so we get a bit bored so we start uh, doing the we clap with ourselves in between every other uh, proper clap okay Oh, yeah. So it's so it's like a real clap, and then we do our our own <laughs> together, so that we we du we double the amount of claps basically. Yeah, and, and, that could, and, and that's oh, finish, finish. Yeah, and she, uh, she she caught on to that really fast after just a couple of playthroughs. She she started doing that as well, and playing with her, it 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 felt really 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 weird in a good way <laughs> because she was so, she was she was so instantly good at the game it was so obviously ob obvious that she had talent for it and, and for that for for that kind of players uh, uh the skill level of clapper would have to uh, we would have to double or triple that in able to make it a viable uh, competitive game because they would every because when everyone is that good that she is then everyone will will ace the levels, so we will have to make them really hard. And that brings up one concern I have, which is that I know you talked about StarCraft having maps, but I'm just concerned that anything that requires people to, and I don't know the exact specifics of how the maps work and how you design the maps in StarCraft, but any game that requires content generation like that, instead of like kind of like something where like you know with rocket league it's just a field or something else like that i think yeah. well that would that get in the way of the esports or do you think that's going to be required i'm always hesitant of those things because i feel like without procedural generation or something else that lends itself to easily create um you know a play arena or something else will will create friction or, or may not even be the right design because as we've yeah. seen now recently at least now I see people, maybe it's just because I'm focused on it, but I see like people are looking at, okay, well, how can we procedurally generate everything? You know, because, yeah. because first of all, it saves on development time and it, uh, it saves on like, you know, other people in the game, you know, other, pe like the amount of people you need to make the game. But 
it just allows for randomness that people want so that it's not like they're like, well, how come there's not enough content? Yeah. You know, and in a way that's why multiplayer, it's like, it's like people just talking to each other and that's entertainment and that, that was entertainment. Yeah. So do you think that the levels could potentially get in the way of an esport for, for your game? Like, do you have to make it so that it's like something random and it's not like you have to consider or, or have to design each level? Yeah, for uh, for our game, I think uh, I think that uh, that that could help actually. But it's it's really really different and really tricky with music games, or rhythm games, because because with any other game, I would say uh, I would say no. If, because if, if I'm going back to Quake One there again, <laughs> and uh, there were there were a lot of levels, and uh, but only a few of them got played. And it was a it was a reason for that because uh, the the levels was was the levels were kind of uh, is it called a, a Sith that you can use to with with gravel you Sith uh, Sith no what's it called oh where uh, you you like shovel them or, or shift them or? yeah shift yeah because the levels would be shifted through uh, hundreds and thousands of players and play hours so all the all the good levels would uh, oh, would, yeah. okay. would would filtered. stand out. From, okay. Yeah, fil- yeah, like filtered through all the players and the hours that they played. Yeah. Uh, so if there if there was if there were like ten deathmatch uh, levels in Quake to start with, only o- after after uh, a couple of years or something like that, o- only a few of them would still be be played yeah. high level. And I, I think that, that that's the key is to, to get uh, the, the content out so that the players can uh, get, uh, get control of yeah. it in a sense. So, so I think this is another design element we can add to the list, which is that the play arenas for these esports or whatever it is has to allow for, has to be flexible enough to allow for as much entertaining and emergent gameplay as possible because it seems like based on what you were talking about with quake only like very few levels actually allowed for it where people could play it over and over and it would actually allow for dynamic or interesting types of uh competitions yeah and then those uh levels uh uh, continue to get played over the years over like 10 and 20 years and (laughs) And in uh, a way if we consider sports itself, I mean, you think about tennis and whatever, I guess it could have been played where there were walls or there was more than one net. And they just found that that, that level, let's just like abstract it to like, okay, this is like, if it was like an e-sport that actually got ported to a real sport, that level of just one net in front of each other um, in a symmetric way was the one that worked best. Yeah. But I guess it could have been a level where they had two nets you know, or something else like that. I know we don't, but that's how flexible as designers you have to be in terms of esports because a lot of these, and, and same with football or soccer, it's like that was the one level that worked best. That was, you know, maybe there could have been other levels. Yeah, and small uh, rule yeah. tweaks and things like that. You can see how the offside rule did something to the gameplay that, that made it better. Yeah, and and... Um, I also want to. Are you familiar with golf? I don't know if golf is played in in Europe or. Yeah, sure. I know know a little okay. about it. So in a way, 
I guess, unlike tennis and um, <laughs> football and soccer, which only has really like one level that everyone can kind of go around, golf has multiple levels, you know, around yeah. the world. And certain levels are really good and, you know, and that's where like the really competitive place. So, so I think I was hesitant about the concept of levels, but based on what we just discussed right now, I guess levels could potentially be a, a core element, but, but the yeah. level has yeah. to, has to allow for emergent entertainment and gameplay. Yeah. But then when you have that level, it's also kind of fascinating when, uh, uh, w uh when a sport evolves outside of the level because uh, soccer has worked uh, in in the same way for for many years now but i still believe that uh, the best uh, soccer team 10 years ago or 20 years ago would probably uh, get uh, get beaten by by today's yeah. best teams even though it's the same sport yeah cuz yeah that's what i noticed with sports is that as like every like every year or it's kind of like literally in gaming there's like trends there's styles that kind of work at a certain time for like four or five years and then it moves on to the next style yeah and it's like everyone is kind of playing around that style and is is that what you mean or, or do you mean something else no uh i i what i meant was that uh, we collectively learn so much about that oh yeah good point that arena and how the game is played that uh, that people that start playing football now has a huge advantage over people that started playing yeah. football like 30 40 years ago yeah and even with tennis the rackets change and all these other things and the technologies so yeah it seems like the sport has to also allow for integration of <laughs> artifacts or tech or things that or technology that can allow you to play better or, or to be more competitive. Yeah. And that's something that I couldn't, fa I don't know how it would apply to Clapper because like, like how, how would that change? Like, let's say Clapper becomes an eSport. What, how, how would it be where like the person 20 years from now would play it better than like even rock, paper, scissors. How, how would it be that someone now plays it better than before? Yeah. And, and maybe I... that's why rock, paper, scissors isn't as huge as soccer. Yeah, no, uh, no. In all honesty, I, I actually I, I I cannot see that for for rhythm games. I will uh, I will have to think uh, more about it. But uh, off the bat, I don't I don't see rhythm games as uh, uh, as uh, as doing that. I can't see well, that actually. How when you were talking about how you added in additional claps and stuff like that? Yeah, maybe that's part of it. Is that that the, the leader, like, you know, at every generation or, you know, five years from now, they have a different clapping style or or cadence when, when they don't have to clap inside the gameplay, but outside of it just for expression. Yeah, you know what? I think that we, um, uh, we will have to push the limits pretty hard with Clapper just to see how competitive we can make it because... Uh, at the moment, the game is fine-tuned for uh, for children. Uh, we have we have yeah. the, we have different uh, uh, difficulty levels, but the hardest one is still meant for uh, for a child to be able to uh, to ace. But uh, the input method that we have can actually register claps faster than we can uh, make yeah. them physically. So if 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 we we could try just to. Um, to amp the speed up and, and see yeah. what happens. 
So maybe the true artists that play clapper would be some people who can do it that fast, but also do these additional claps that are more expressional. Yeah. You know, like on the side or something else. And that's, that's the entertainment. Yeah. The people who are watching. So they see the real game itself, but then, but I guess, I guess what you also need to do is, um, I think what needs to happen. Okay. Okay. So, so that's, so that, so those are design elements that we've discussed, but, I think where's going to be that craziness in the game that people will want to want to watch it. So I'm going to suggest something, you know, yeah. in, in my bigger. But I think what because because people are playing against each other, right, on iPad, <laughs> on iPad, right? Yeah, what we have now is the, the players are like a team. They play okay. two two together. So I want to. I okay. So I have a couple concerns, and and maybe we can discuss them but one thing is um my concern is that you know like i want to consider like i don't know if you have like american idol in in your in your country or like <laughs> yeah sure 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 oh you do okay or like yeah. you know they have like america's got talent or something else like that yeah is that that's kind of it's not really a sport but there is a competitive element to that yeah. So, so would you consider that as something that could be the foundation for something that's an esport? You know, something where it's like people are expressive, kind of, you know, in terms yeah. of the skill, but yeah. it's, you're just looking for the most entertaining thing rather than, okay, it's like this person is really good at, at kicking the ball. You know, it's not, everyone is not going to be kicking the ball in that kind of competitive space. It's more expressional. Yeah. Uh, so when I was, you say rhythm games, yeah, I don't yeah. think maybe that's the the approach. It needs to be more about music games that aren't necessarily. There's some rhythm element to it, but that's not. You're, you're thinking like uh, like exhibition dancing or something like that. Yeah. So more, it's more like exhibition around a certain a certain expressional domain, and that expressional domain can be music, where there are rhythm elements, but that's not going to be all of it. There are other elements that people want to look at. They just want to be entertained. Yeah. Right? It's like when I think about America's Got Talent or some of these like British Got Talent, it's like, yeah, they're singing. And sometimes they, yeah, they definitely do sing games or sing songs that people have heard about. But there are other types of entertainment thing there, you know? Like, have you heard of like Dragon's Den? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that's, would you consider that competitive or, or what are your thoughts on that? Oh, it's uh, in a in a sense, it uh, definitely is. Yeah. Uh, the, it's it's are, competitive, yeah. but it isn't necessarily zero sum because they can invest in all of them. Like all the people that show up for that specific show, they can invest. Yeah, yeah. At that, so, at, at that specific show, yeah, but they they have like the same structure uh, on some uh, like investor in events and things like that here in Sweden. Yeah. So, so they, where, where they like invite five companies to pitch and only one company can win. And in that sense, it's very competitive. But uh, we, ha we have done that actually. But I wouldn't say that I felt very competitive. It was more, yeah. uh, I went there to do, do the best I could with my pitch. And if someone else did better, it was, yeah, uh, power to them. <laughs> was it, was it, did you like watching the other ones or not really? Like the other pitches um, and stuff, or not really. I would say that I enjoyed it uh, very much, actually, but in an extremely nerdy uh, because way. Because that's that's what people are watching now. You know, they're not necessarily caring. Like, 
about foot. I mean, they're obviously watching football and these other things, but maybe that's where the esport, you know, esport experience goes. Is that it's competitive, but it isn't zero sum or player versus player competitive. It's like this this yeah. mix of people can express themselves in their own passions because you pitched something that you like to work on. It isn't yeah. like you're forced to be like, okay, well, here's the rules. Like, I need to this this product that I'm pitching has to do this, this, and this. I mean, there were some constraints, but it wasn't as direct as soccer where everyone has to run on the field. They have to kick, you know, it's, it's, it's more open-ended. Yeah. And maybe that's where we have to also consider for E, uh, indie sports. Yeah. I think, I think that I, I would like to say that basically anything could be made entertaining. But uh, yeah. but we're we're coming back to that with uh, with with being an expert. You had have, have to be an expert to uh, yeah. to 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 enjoy it. I think we're coming back to that and and uh, expressing what's what is really entertaining about uh, Dragon's Den. Why why because it could be super super boring as well. But they have found like a format that uh, that that works. That, yeah, and uh, and. Anyone can watch it and understand why it's entertaining. I think going to Dragonstone, based on some of the design principles we discussed, I think their level, their their arena, I guess, is that pitch. Or, I don't know, I mean, I guess... I mean, I guess, like, you know, trying to convince... You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to be that abstract so that we can take these principles wherever. But yeah, I no, guess... I love this. I love this. It, but uh, it feels more like television. It has more to do with, uh, in a way, it has, I would like to say that this has more to do with storytelling and they have to uh, set yeah. up the pitch before. We cannot just watch. But it's the same in boxing, I guess. They have to set up the match with uh, all the trash talk and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you brought up a really good point, which is that in this case, instead of physics being the emergent property, it's storytelling. Because you can communicate and entertain people with stories. Yeah. And so what it is, is it's a story. And also what's what's interesting is that there's the property of you could put the people watching could potentially want to get it. You know, like a lot of these things that they pitch are things for consumers. Yeah. And so you're like, wow, I, do I want this? Maybe I could I could want this, you know. And so I guess in that sense, it is storytelling or language that's the emergent thing. Yeah, and it's like uh, there there could probably be pitches in Dragon's Den that go really, really bad, uh, but someone yeah, at and they're called but so, yeah, but yeah. someone at home maybe works with something and uh, has has felt the problem that this uh, inventor is trying to uh, to solve, but the, maybe the inventor failed to communicate that to the investors. So he 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 can have a really really good idea, but he he fails with the with the story and yeah. the setup, and and that's where the skill comes in. Yeah, they 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 weren't skilled enough to see that it was a good product, and he were not skilled enough to explain it to them. But someone at home might be skilled enough to see that. Yeah, that was really a good idea. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is in this case, there's skill across multiple dimensions and i guess that's true for many sports sometimes like you have to be good not only at offense with soccer but maybe deep or like with basketball you have to be good at offense but also good with defense you know yeah. and, and so yeah. maybe in this case there's the skill set of storytelling but there's also the skill set of building the product whether that the initial idea is good but also the storytelling for it yeah um yeah. 
But I think yeah, and no, I think I think when it comes to to uh, regular sports, it's uh, for for many of them, it's really easy for a regular person to understand why this is skillful and why it is entertaining. But then there then there are of course uh, uh, like American football and things like that can be really hard for for European to understand. But but when it comes to uh, esports, most of them I would say are probably really hard for an unskilled viewer to understand why they are uh, entertaining to watch and that's the yeah. thing that esports have to uh, they have to deliver that in order to to gain uh, gain a larger impact yeah that's a really good point because for starcraft and even dota i mean for me i don't care to watch that i would no. love to watch something where it is like dragon's den but it's like an es- like it's an indie esport yeah. where people are creating stuff. Because you know what? The only reason we potentially used physics is because it was convenient in the real world. I mean, there might be other things that are more convenient, you know? Yeah. Um, but, okay, so so I guess, I guess that's another thing, another venue that indie developers have to consider is that things like Dragon's Den may be the future of these type of competitive arenas where it isn't zero-sum. And it isn't player versus player. It's more... The best, the best five or ten ideas out of the whole season are the ones that people will resonate with, and everyone else, you know, they got their chance, but they didn't win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could be. What's interesting about Dragon's Den is that five years from now, it'll be they'll be talking about different products, so it's flexible enough that it allows for what you were talking about before, which is a change yeah. in the game. Yeah. But it's even more flexible because it isn't. People will notice that the products are different versus in basketball, you understand that distinction of, okay, you know what, five years, like like every few years, it completely changes. It may, they call it basketball, but it's not because of all the different rules and, and the technology and everything else that's changing the, how the play is in that, in that level. Yeah. No, so I'm, uh, I'm thinking, how would you actually make uh, Guitar Hero entertaining to watch? Yeah, I think in that case, you would... Wouldn't it have to be a game? Wouldn't it have to blend that with like American Idol or British's Got Talent where people choose music that they like or that other people have heard and they're yeah, playing yeah, yeah, it, yeah. but then yeah. maybe they're even using their voice. So yeah, they're using Guitar Hero as, as like the rhythm part and that's part of the score, how well they do that. But the voice part is something that the audience can, can judge more. Yeah. So yeah, there's, maybe I there's... think that I think you could build like a show or yeah, like a TV show or something around Guitar Hero, uh, but but Guitar Hero on its own, uh, like uh, like soccer, uh, yeah. just just playing Guitar Hero uh, as entertainment. I I have a really hard time seeing it. People were were doing it for a while. I don't know how popular it is now, but it at one point it was <coughs> popular, but. You're right. The rhythm genre. Do you feel that the rhythm genre has just people have moved on from it, or or it's it's still there? Because that could be the other issue. Because that's what I've seen with games, also. Yeah. No. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely not as big as as it was. Yeah. And and so so I guess the real question is is what is the music? What what kind of game that has music, rhythm or not, 
could be just as popular as American Idol or something else like that. Is that is that what you're asking, or you're just saying, look, how can we get rhythm to actually? Yeah, I was actually just thinking about the the core of uh, modern rhythm games, and I would say that that's uh, like the Guitar Hero style of game. Uh, Clapper, in a sense, is a Guitar Hero uh, style of game. But see, this is where I think, and this is going to go into, you know how I talked about, this was a design element that I was going to mention that um, right before we kind of segued into this whole concept of um, emergence and, and like, American Idol and all these other things. But what I was going to say is with with Clapper, what if you, as you do a good job, you get these power-ups that you can then use to slap the other person. So you, you like, you can like, as you do it well, you, like there's like this little thing or whatever there where you have a chance to actually slap their face. Oh yeah. I, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a little crazy, but that's what I mean. It's like, it, it has to be a take on that. No, I think you're onto something here. Uh, because when, when you play Clapper, you, you play as a team. Yeah. Both, both players, you play together. But, uh, th- there has been other games that were kind of hard to, to compete in, like, uh, Tetris and, uh, shoot them up, uh, games. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, and they created, like, those, uh, as you said, you, you play, you play the games uh, next to another person or next to another team. So, so, so maybe you could uh, play Clapper two teams at the same time and you build up, as you, as you said, when you do uh, like a combo or something or a streak, then you will make it harder for the people on the, on the other team. Like, yeah. in tet- like in Tetris, when you, when you get rid of a lot of lines, you bump them over to the other player. Okay. And I'm, I'm not, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, I think, though, what would be crazy, because like, have you heard of... You've heard of box, you know. You mentioned boxing, and I don't know if you've heard of Ultimate Fighter, um, uh, like UFC. like a reality show or. Um, no, there's like no? a there's like a Ultimate Fight. I don't know. Maybe it, I think there is a show of it, but it's like this uh, mixed mixed martial arts. Yeah. Where, but maybe that's what it has to be: is this mix of clapping, and then you actually have to. You earn punches that you then use and apply to the other. I mean, I know this is, this sounds a little crazy right now, but let's just go with it and then we'll see where we can change it so it, it works. So it's more. You're thinking pleasant. like, like chess, chess boxing. Like when you, yeah, uh... like, yeah. <laughs> right. Is there something like chess boxing? Oh, I don't know. I like that. Like a Monty Python sketch or something. <laughs> I, I just remember two guys playing chess with the, with the boxing gloves on. Okay. And then is it like where you got a piece, you got the punch or something or what? Like yeah, I, I think so. Or okay, or no, yeah. I think it was uh, it was really hard to pick up the pieces using the gloves. So if you picked up a piece but knocked all the other ones over, then the other person would punch you. I think. Oh, okay, yeah. So so something like that because the one benefit of that is that people on YouTube would want to watch that because it's like you're watching these people play this this funny or peaceful game, and then you earn punches and slaps. And and then maybe the person's still standing. I mean, it doesn't even have to be points. I mean, if you take it to its extreme, it's like the person's still standing up while you're still yeah. playing this game is the one yeah. who's the winner. But also maybe it's like, depending on how many slaps the person wins, you know, the other person wins or loses or whatever. So this this sounds like a really vicious side of you coming up with this yeah. game concept here. <laughs> it is. Look, I know, I know. Because I was like, Sometimes I have to come up with crazy, vicious ideas and then flip them. 
to yeah. something that's more peaceful and funny. But I think people would uh, would watch this. It sounds like, uh, but like yeah, it's... but you're right. The slapping it's just crazy because you're playing this <laughs> funny game and then you slap the other person. And I don't know how that even helps unless unless the game itself can record that this countered as like a you know as a clap. Yeah. But it could be the face clap, you know, or some of these little things where it's like. <sighs> we, could, we we have to activate the microphone so we can pick pick up the sniveling from the players. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's that could be part of it is that the claps have to be outside of it. Like that's where the expressional style can come in. Yeah. So it isn't necessarily about just what the what the camera can see, but some of these other claps that can happen. And you, you can only do them in certain ways. Like at, if you get certain power-ups or certain points, like you can't do them all the time. So maybe you could clap someone's shoulder or something else like that. Yeah. No, we, uh, as you mentioned now, we, we only use the camera to detect the claps. So you don't yeah. really have to clap very hard. So maybe most, mostly as a joke, we, we spoke about, uh, activating the, the microphone and then putting it up as a requirement that it was a real, uh, a, a really hard clap in order to register the clap. Yeah. But that yeah, or a headbutt or something else, you know. And <laughs> and I don't know, but I mean that's see once again that's taking the paradigm of violence which you know at one point at least in in real sports was pop, like boxing was popular like really popular at one point. I don't know how popular it is now. I mean it's it's still reasonably popular, but but I think with, with indie esports, there's going to be this opportunity to make peaceful and, and creative type games, esports, that are mildly competitive, but they're not as vicious as some of these other other types of real sports. Yeah, I, I actually think that you're onto something. I think that uh, that the indie game community has uh, has has the potential to come up with a with a title like that for for players that aren't like uh, old old school hardcore players, but maybe that, as you said, would like to compete in a more peaceful and expressive way. Yeah, and I think. We also have to say that the actual game itself. So now, so no, we've talked about a decent amount of mechanics, and and as we wrap up, I know we've spent a decent amount of time, but um, as we wrap up, I also want to mention that the game itself, the business model around the game, and also the distribution, it has to be completely different yeah. than what's out there right now. I mean, I think I had this discussion with someone else, but it's like you can buy a soccer ball, but it's it's not like so. Here's the thing: the actual game itself is free. You, any, anyone can play soccer. You don't have to buy a license to play soccer. No. And and so maybe that's where even indie developers have to consider that. Okay, what if I have to literally give everything of my game for free? Make it open source, and I'm only making money from the league. That's yeah, absolutely. The game, you know, absolutely. Which is completely yeah. different business model. Yeah. Than even free to play. Yeah. You know, and, and that's and that's difficult. Because even I guess with Hearthstone they kinda well, I mean, I guess the free to play lends itself to that. But still it's not open source. And maybe that has to be another property, is that it has to be open source. So that other people could modify. Because it. it's like, look, with soccer people can modify like you're you're talking about modding before. Yeah. And and I guess they were just modding the actual content, but not the rules. And 
and I think we have to allow for the modding of rules too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, so those are, I think those are other concerns I have related to how indie esports would work. Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's really thought provoking. I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm getting I mean, quiet here because I'm, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess so, so it has to be literally like everyone knows about it. Everyone can use the game. It's just that to participate in the league. Uh, that's where the really super skilled people will. But then you and even the league itself, the way it makes money, will be completely different. Yeah, It has to literally potentially be where you're getting sponsors, which is already happening already, by the way, in esports, I think, with Dota and where yeah, these yeah. teams are getting sponsored by other, you know. Definitely. People. So... Okay, so, so I think, I don't know, are there any other principles we have to consider related to indie esports? And I want to mention, I don't know if you've heard of NASCAR. Yeah, sure. sure. That's a, so that's another thing where there are levels. And certain levels have prestige and certain levels don't. So it isn't like, because I was concerned that levels aren't needed, that they get in the way. But I guess there are certain games or competitions where levels can help. Yeah, you, you mean like the different tracks in NASCAR? Yeah, or? yeah the different yeah. tracks. And yeah. So it wasn't like it has to just be this open thing. So... Um, but in NASCAR, it's always round, round, or is it? No? I think it is. It is. They're always round. Yeah, you do. You're right. It is round. Okay. Maybe, maybe it is the same track. Honestly, I don't know. No, no. It, it could probably it's, it's a be like different. a different curvature and things like that. Yeah. That, that makes the tracks faster or slower. But, but I guess I guess the variations are the same. I mean, yeah. it isn't like, it's not like there's two decks or, you know, it's not like... See if there's. <laughs> oh, I know nothing about NASCAR. I'm no, sorry. I don't look. I don't know a lot about these things too. I'm just fascinated by the concept of hey, wow, game developers can create a new sport. Yeah. And the people who are going to do it are obviously there's Dota and they they're already doing it and you know and some of these other places and StarCraft they've already done it but there might be other types of sports that open up to a different audience. So how do do they still uh, play uh, chess at the Olympics or I don't think they play chess at the Olympics but I I mean obviously chess is pretty it's reasonably well known I don't know how popular it is but didn't they try at least to make that into an Olympic Let me let me uh, see Yeah I'm not sure but because I I would like to say that they didn't really succeed in making uh, that game into a sport in the same yeah. sense so that they could bring it into the Olympics, but the but the esports uh, does, of course, definitely have that uh, potential. You know, and that's another thing that you point out is that yeah, you're right. Maybe in 20 years in the Olympics there will be esports there. Yeah, they were talk. I I just looked it up, and I think they were talking about potentially having chess in 2020. But <laughs> okay, but but I guess you're right. I mean, it could potentially be now because look, they've added volleyball and all these other things. Yeah, but I don't know. It's like uh, it's the same thing with the X Games, where they have like skateboard oh, yeah. and things. That they are super physical, physical sports. But uh, or do they have skateboard at the Olympics as well? No, they don't. I think. Yeah, but they're thinking about bringing some of these things. Yeah, they they should because those uh, those they seem like good fits. I think it's not the chess. I'm not sure. I think sports and games are actually different things to me yeah 
So oh. I could I could say skateboard at the Olympics, but I'm not sure that I want to say chess actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because okay, because it's more skateboard. Because it goes into that hardcore thing you're talking about, where for chess it's just so abstract that people can't be entertained as easy. Like only hardcore people can be entertained for it. Just yeah. like with StarCraft. Yeah. You know. Um. You can't. It's it's like you can't. No. So maybe this is the the design flaw with chess is that not not only is it hard to get entertained by the actual game itself for a lot of people because it's just not visual or, or you know um, animated enough, but the players themselves they're just sitting there. Yeah. So just like you're saying with StarCraft, watching the people in StarCraft may not be entertaining enough, but potentially watching the gameplay itself is entertaining to certain like hardcore people who can understand that yeah yeah and i i guess that might be true about other sports as well since we have yeah. commentators explaining why that was awesome oh, yeah. and that and what went wrong and things like that so i guess maybe that's but i think maybe that's what we have to consider is that the actual person playing the game it, their movements can potentially need to be entertaining too yeah, oh. at least at least w what I meant was that at least one part of the game has to be entertaining. But that because may not be enough. That's what I'm saying is that either the game itself has to be visually entertaining, but also the person playing it. Because like, yeah. look, the the basketball is entertaining, but then you see like these the stup the superstars that actually like they're moving so much that that's 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 people will watch that. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and people want to watch movement. They don't want to watch necessarily static stuff. And if the game itself is not visually entertaining to watch, then and and the people are not visually entertaining to watch, then it's not going to work. No, no. Um, so I think I think um, I think that's another thing. And then there was one other thing I was going to. There was one other element. Oh yeah, commentators. So maybe yeah. that's another design. Is that that you need to consider? Can your game allow for commentary? Yeah. And, and maybe that determines whether you've got a good game or not. But I guess with Dragon's Den, it's not like people are... Well, those people are asking questions, but they're not commentators. You know, the... So, I don't know. Um, no, but I, I could see um, if there was like a really high, highly skilled uh, guitar hero player and uh, there was a commentator uh, that pointed out when he did small mistakes that maybe I wouldn't perceive or oh, yeah. okay. when he was, uh, if he was doing something clever like saving up, uh, uh, like, uh, what's it called? The bonus move or something like that. Yeah. Or, uh, when it's, when he, when, it, yeah, when the chain is broken or something like that. I, I guess it would be more entertaining to watch it, I suppose. And I guess what you're saying is that, there needs to maybe the game itself has to give them superpowers at certain points in the game or at, at certain parts of the game that they either earn kind of like when you see in certain like in basketball or something else someone does a really crazy power move maybe yeah. the, you know because they they're in the zone or something else or whatever i yeah. think that's what we have to consider is that the game itself like yeah there has to be that kind of power within the player itself but the game can potentially lend itself to giving them superpowers yeah. that they can use in, inside the game. But that do kind you of uh, do you enjoy watching esports? Is there like a like no. a certain certain <laughs> game that you watch? No. No, I don't. I don't like any of this. I, I no. seriously don't like watching 
like, you know, I was just thinking, I will potentially watch like the, like, uh, like the World Series of a certain sport, or like yeah. you know the the final game for that season. But for the most part, I can't. I don't know. I just don't want to watch a lot of these, um, at least the traditional sports games. And in esports, StarCraft, I don't like. I can't even fathom. I don't understand why I even want to watch that. It's not like like I prefer more casual type things, anyways. Yeah. So for me, StarCraft doesn't resonate with me, and neither does um, Rocket League. It's interesting. Like I just thought it was funny that cars are kind of, you know, kicking a soccer ball or something. Like that was fascinating to me. But it's it's kind of cool, but it's not something I'm watching all the time. Uh, you but do you uh, do you consider yourself a hardcore player? Do you have to be no. a hardcore player to uh, to enjoy uh, esports? That's see. That's why. That's what I was hoping to get out of, out of this discussion. Is that how do you get people who are not hardcore players? Yeah, I think like in Korea and things like that. Yeah. I think there there are a lot of people that uh, don't play the game actually that enjoys watching the game because yeah. it's such a huge phenomena over there. Exactly, and I think for me the only thing that I enjoy watching at this point are like the Dragon's Den, Shark Tank type things, where it's people yeah. being creative. And there is a competitive element because they need to get funded, and you know. But it's it's related to their own life. Yeah. It isn't like they have to put together. They have to cast their own passions, their own desires, and their own life. But then again, look, Shark Tank and Dragons Den—they're all they're well known, but they're not as huge necessarily as some of these other sports. No. Um, at this point, and so really, the question is: is can they ever become huge? And secondly, what are the new mechanics or elements that would make them huge? Yeah, you know, and 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 same like, look, Shark Tank. The way I see, it, I don't know if you're familiar with infomercials. Uh, no. Infomercials, like, what would happen is companies would actually buy thirty minutes on the sh- on on TV and just show their product. Yeah. Okay. Right, and and that worked for a little while. Then people are like, oh god, another infomercial, and they didn't necessarily watch it. What Shark Tank did is they made, they changed the rules so that, or Dragon's Den, they changed the rules so that now people want to watch infomercials. Because it's exciting. Because yeah. now they can win. Now they yeah. can get money. And you're learning exactly where they're coming from. And, and like, like you have the human element in it. Yeah. And so now people want to watch that versus like, if you told someone, I want to watch a 30 minute, are you going to watch a 30 minute commercial? They're not going to do that. No. You know, and so that's what, that's what developers have to consider is what are they going to change or what can they introduce to actually make it so that people want to do it. Same with your clapper game. Maybe it has to be those power-ups where now at certain points you've earned those power-ups that you can use because maybe you clap down on the screen or something else that triggers a certain power-up and you've got a certain mode that you play in that time. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so the, I guess those are my thoughts. I, are there any other things that you feel that esports needs to be or we need to consider for esports design. No, I think you you've covered it pretty well. I think you've given me a lot to think about, actually. <laughs> and well, so then, so now that let's let's tie it then, I guess, back into Clapper, which is what are you going to? What's what? What are the next steps? Yeah. And do you even uh, want to take the esports route, or do you want to go another route? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say that we are going going down a uh, an esport route. I wouldn't say that, but we are, uh, um, we we would definitely try to make it more competitive 
uh, and to bring elements like that in. And I've already mentioned like uh, leaderboards and being able to compare yourself to other players and brag, I suppose, about how well you did uh, by post posting to social media and things like that. But then, uh, but then also, and I, I think I mentioned it as well. I think that. Uh, uh, a level editor could also be something to be able to create more more content uh, faster in uh, in a way to uh, to find those uh, awesome levels that I talked about with uh, with Quake, where thousands of players played the the levels for thousands of hours. Uh, we only have uh, six levels at the uh, at the moment and uh, to be able to to try all the different mechanics that uh, could resonate with the players i think that uh, involving the community could be a great great thing okay um yeah and, and i guess any other concerns or or, or things you're going to experiment related to clapper uh no we we are uh, uh, finishing up work on the new monetization model and uh, hopefully we will get it to work and after that we will uh, uh, port the game to uh, to Android and uh, after that we will uh, start looking at those uh, things that we have discussed today. Uh, yeah. What about in terms of marketing, are there any other things that you're going to do too? Because I think that's the other challenge is to get people to, to find the game. Yeah. So, and I don't. And the thing about E3 and Indicate is, I don't know if that's your audience at this point. Um, you know no, that better than me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I think we we still have uh, experimentation to do to to see who, who's the who's our uh, who's our uh, real players actually. Because when when we started making the game, it was kind of easy to to argue that it was uh, a game for younger children. But uh, now, when the game is finished and we see how it is, uh, how it's played, it's uh, much more easy for us to show that uh, yeah, this game can actually be entertaining for uh, older players as well. And uh, we have always we we've always known that because we have had a great time and we have been building our dream game. And uh, believe it or not, even though we have developed the game, then. And played it uh, so so many times. It's still entertaining for us to play it, yeah. and with those basic levels that we have. So we think that there's uh, there's still a lot of potential in the game uh, for for more content. Okay. Um, so where can listeners find out more information about the game and potentially check it out? Uh, the game has uh, has a website. It's uh, clappergame.com. Okay. Uh, but if you're interested in uh, news uh, regarding Clapper, we have uh, Bridgeside Interactive on uh, Facebook, and that's where we post uh, 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 news news uh, most swiftly. And uh, we will uh, we will actually be attending uh, Indicade uh, Europe, and we will also be uh, attending. Uh, it's called AC Play, as Play, I think, in uh, Bilbao, Spain, uh, in a couple of weeks, where we also will be sh showcasing the game. Okay, cool. Um, thanks again for your time. And yeah, thank you. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Take care. Yeah. Bye. You too. Bye.